Welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where today we will continue our overview of the several liberal arts and sciences with geometry. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com. Today on the Working Tools Podcast, we have a very worshipful brother, David Colbeth, from King Solomon Lodge Number 60 in Auburn, Washington. And I'm Matt Apple, and I'm a member of Mill Creek Number 243, and we meet in Montlake Terrace, Washington. And uh, Stephen is not here this evening. He has an emergency he had to attend to, so we hope everything goes well with him. But we are we are so going to do our best to soldier on without him <laughs> and uh, wrap up our sort of, we started with an overview, I was going to say vague, but it's not vague, <laughs> a, 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 yeah, overview of all the seven liberal arts and sciences. We sort of skipped over geometry in our last episode. So we wanted to, to touch on that before we, we try to go a little more in depth on them. So, um. David, actually, just before we started recording, you were saying about uh, geometry being the the root of all sciencey things. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, in in the last segment, we talked about the a paper that would, had been written by Brother Johnston, right, Brother Johnston, that uh, Steve had found, and so we kind of hit all the different elements, like as you as you mentioned, except geometry, and and I kind of. I, I I don't remember exactly how we put it, but I think I kind of swayed us to say, hey, let's we save that one for last because in the short talk bulletin that we use that we're going to talk about tonight a little more, this article on the Southern Liberal Arts and Sciences really focuses. It's uh by the way, it's volume how to read this here, volume twenty two, number five from May nineteen forty four, uh, the short talk bulletin, Southern Liberal Arts and Sciences, and it really goes into depth on the ideas of the seven liberal arts and sciences and then really focuses on geometry being the main element of the seven liberal arts and sciences really the focus and he has a quote in a quote in here from cook from the cook manuscript and it says that especially geometry the first cause of all their other sciences and so he said wherever so they be the seven sciences are grammar rhetoric in that version dialect which is logic arithmetic geometry music and astronomy but yeah, geometry is a really key component of the seven liberal arts and sciences, which in general, we're, that was the education base, right? That was kind of what, and I, I think too, when Freemasonry started, it sounds like from these articles and from what we read that Freemasonry started and their foundation was the seven liberal arts and sciences because that was considered the full education or true education. Yeah, and so yeah, geometry is the whatever is one of the the quadrivium, the more advanced arts and sciences. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's definitely. I guess I, I in my head I can see how geometry relates clearly to astronomy, for instance, but I don't know. I've I I'm sure there's some music in there somewhere, and I'm not being a music guy, I I don't know what it is. So I will say. The, the tie to music always seemed a little tenuous to me, but I know there's math in music, obviously, but it's geometry per se. Yeah, I guess I don't know. 
how that would work either. And uh, hopefully, maybe when we get into talk about the music, we can maybe figure <laughs> figure out what the connection there is. Uh, and if anybody out there listening, if they have an idea of what you know how music and or geometry ties into music, let us know. That'd be great. I know we had uh, just to digress a little bit. I was at a meeting in Wright Wishwater. Uh, uh, <laughs> am I drawing a blank? Roger, Roger Nelson, our, our senior grand. Yeah, that guy. He. Uh, we had been talking at one point about the the different smells. We were talking about in chapter five, six, or seven of the uh, observing the craft. We were saying how there's different scents involved in the different degrees, and so he pulled me aside at a meeting recently and said, Hey, I was listening to the show and you know, you can find all this stuff in the Scottish Rite and the, in the Kabbalah and there's all kinds of, and there's different, and I, he, he was excited and I was not in a moment to listen. I need to get back with him and ask him more about that. But uh, so there's, you know, if there's listeners out there that have better ideas or other ideas, please, we'd love to have that feedback and pull us aside. But we're, I, I don't claim to be an expert in any of this stuff. We're just kind of exploring it and figuring it out and having fun at it. So, yeah. I mean, I can see how. So I don't know. There was one of the one of the articles we read. I, I'm I should know which one so that I could reference it properly. But one of the articles we read was saying that geometry that was it much of math was born out of a neat in the classical period was born out of a out of architecture. Like they wanted to build a building, they wanted it to be strong. They said, you know, hey, what's what are the traits of a strong building? Well, the columns are this big around, or the you know for every X number of height, it has to be this wide because if you build it tall and skinny, it falls over and that sort of thing. And so a lot of math was born out of that and a lot of that is geometry. So I guess if you if you sort of start with start with geometry and then go to arithmetic, then music maybe I don't know. <laughs> well, and you have you have to have, I made a note in here and we're kind of blending into the next article a little bit too, but uh, you know, we should have a balance of the scientific learning as well as liberal arts. And so I think even though in the article it talks about how there was a focus on education being more scientific or more business oriented so that depending on where you might end up in life and uh but what about the liberal arts what about music and other things so i think you need to have that balance to be able to to understand all things if you will and to have that complete education but yeah it in the in the article that uh, Steve had shown, it's, it was, he quotes the geometry synonymous with self-knowledge, the understanding of basic substance of being. And so if, if you're able, I think it's the idea of conceptualizing too. Geometry is very, very conceptual, visual, and it's thought provoking. And it's, it's not just where mathematics is really more focused on the number side of it, where geometry and algebra and things like that are more focused on and I'm not, I didn't do very much beyond that. So I don't even know what calculus and all those other. <laughs> uh, but I did once upon a time, 30 years ago, I was pretty good at that stuff. Yeah, right, right. And my, my, my daughter was going through it recently in high school. And I'm thinking, oh, don't come ask me for any of that stuff. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, I, yeah, Henry's, well, I mean, I majored in math in college. So oh, I wow. used to know, I used to know math. And yeah, he'll, They'll ask Charlotte. We used to ask me a question, or had asked me a question, or whatever. I'm like, yeah, those words sound familiar to me. <laughs> I, 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 there's something in there, but yeah, I, I can't help you. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's it helps. Like, it's like a language. It's not something you use every it day. It is. So it goes away. 
that's a great way to put it. It is like language, which I'm surprised they haven't considered math or geometry or things like that as a foreign language. I mean, I know that they, there's been some class, some schools that have allowed uh, computer science or computer programming to be suffice as a, as a foreign language substitute. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, for one, welcome our robot overlords. <laughs> so that would be interesting. I would, it's, it is surprising that that's not, but I guess foreign language is a supplemental, whereas math and algebra and all the, those math and sciences are all core anyway. So you have to, you have to have those. So it's not like they're not requiring it, but that's a good way to put it. I like that. You know, he talks about in the article on the civil language, he said, that there's not a lot written about grant uh, geometry about uh, civil liberal sciences. And it's true. That's there's, it's a little thin out there. I think you mentioned that in the last show. I mean, there, there's some stuff out there, but it is surprising. And he said that even when Mackey was doing research on it, he pulled a lot of information, non-Masonic resources. And I, I, my comment was, well, why, why recreate the wheel? If, you know, if there's, if there's some good resources and good information out there about it, why do we need to make it Masonic? I mean, I, I guess that's who we are and what we try to do, right? We always try to make everything exotic, but I don't know if it's... Yeah, Mason's will spin about anything as a, <laughs> as a <laughs> bit of masonry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a... Uh, the... Well, yeah, I commented on it before. The need of Masons to claim everything for masonry is... <laughs> which I guess everybody, every group does on some level. It's like the, the Greek guy in my, my big fat Greek wedding, you know... What it, this word comes from this word, which is Greek for, you know. <laughs> and to the Romans, not the Greeks. We... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the Greeks, not the Romans, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember someone saying once, I'm, we're, I'm getting off topic here terribly, but the, um, the Greeks did more math for math's sake, which is why today we know of Pythagoras and um, yeah, other Greek people who were who were into mathematics, whose names I cannot think of right now, but nobody knows any Egyptian ma or mathematicians because Egypt did math like, oh crap, we need a way to measure our pyramid, and they would figure that out and then they would stop. Uh -huh. Whereas the Greeks would sort of, you know, yeah, that means kind of thing and and go on from there. Continual thought process or other abstract ideas. How can you use this or? And I have no idea if that's true or not. Somebody told me that. So it <laughs> stuck in my brain. Sounds good. Yeah, I, he, the article previous to it also talks that geometry is the teaches lessons of the right behavior and rectitude and truthfulness. And so again, I I think that there is some parallels you could draw. Yeah, we use the square and the plum and the level to as symbols of our degrees and symbols of things in our who we are, what we are, and those are all related to geom geometric tools. And so. Um, yeah, there, there's some definitely some crossover for sure. So one of the articles that we've been talking about, well, that you've been talking about, because I'm a little behind as usual, uh, was the short talk bulletin entitled The Seven Liberal Arts and Sciences uh, from Carl Claudy from 1944, which I, interestingly, there's a, a bit in here where someone is griping about the modern education system that the tendency in schools nowadays from 1944 and i'm thinking you know, <laughs> next year will be 2024 and well and at, uh, at the very end of the article i wrote this is this thing was written in you know 80 years ago so <laughs> yeah 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 actually i should say by the time this is out it'll it will be 2024 yeah 
Um, so yeah, in the in this um, short talk, well, which is is excellent. If I can add, it, I I think it is worth a a read if anyone out there is looking for something to to uh, start to take one's education in the seven liberal arts and sciences on. Uh, yeah, so we have Doctor. He has a quote here from uh, Doctor Oliver Day Street, and uh, says that that uh, to anyone except a Freemason and to the great majority of them. The idea that geometry inculcates moral truth is utterly foreign and incomprehensible. So essentially he's saying that your average man on the street and a fair percentage of Masons, or a great great majority of Masons, as he says in there, that you know, don't don't even ever make the connection between geometry and morale and morale, moral ah, moral teachings. <laughs> and like we were just talking about though, there the, the evidence of that is directly within our symbolism and in our teachings i mean square and compass and the 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 plum and the level i mean all of that kind of the basics of who we are as freemasons and the symbolism directly connects to geometry and directly teaches the moral lessons <laughs> i mean if you ask a guy what does the what does the plum represent well more rectitude I mean, that's that should be the the one line answer yeah, I think the the fear amongst some is whether founded or unfounded. I will I will leave that to the individual mason to decide. Is that there are a lot of masons out there who don't consider the symbols or the meaning of it at all. I mean, pretty mm -hmm. much beyond the you know what is in the lectures or even what's in the lectures, they just sort of snooze through. Yeah, and it's that age old article from the eighteen hundreds about the masons who read and the masons who don't read, right? Yeah. I think you. I think you said it once on a show that a lot of masons they get into lodge, put on their apron, sit down, and go to sleep, <laughs> and then they wake up again at the sound of the gavel in the east when they're you know coming back to it. You know, and it's especially during the opening and closing they just they just tune out <laughs> when that's supposed to be an opportunity to to change your outlook on life essentially and to re retune yourself into the ideas of learning and and expansion of your mind and because uh, that's that's what i was taught is that the the opening and closing rituals are supposed to do that for you right they're supposed to uh, allow you an opportunity to separate yourself from the from the vein from the outside world yeah he talks he talks in the article about yeah how the people don't apply so philosophy being not uh, i'm not saying this clearly philosophy being a almost a lost art sort of as the yeah for sure we say like one in a million people is a philosopher i right. think that was what he mentioned one in a million people is a philosopher there's lots of learned people but only only a very small percentage of those are philosophers right exactly considering Considering not just the facts of something, but the the why is a big, mm -hmm. a, a big question that he talks about here. The why, as opposed to the how, yeah, in sciences, yeah. The, the problems of philosophy the, from whence came man, which is one of our opening lines and a very popular name of a podcast. From whence came you? Uh, what is man? What is time? What is space? What is notion? What is matter? And kind of like you were mentioning me earlier that the Greeks that they didn't just solve the problem; they probably ask these kind of questions in in their expansion of their knowledge of mathematics and other areas and so 
while that's where I think geometry going kind of tying back in what we were talking about earlier, geometry is that expansion. It's not just a simple one and one plus one is two. It's why is one and why is one plus one, two and couldn't be something, couldn't it be something else? <laughs> you know, I will say just to undermine my, my previous argument, <laughs> the, uh, the never let it be said, I can't argue both sides of something that I say the, uh, the moral lessons are out there and don't have to be made through masonry, I would argue. I mean, oh, sure. there are moral people out there who are not masons. Yeah. But this this uh, scheme we have is a way to direct ourselves to those moral lessons. And uh, as I say frequently, there are many paths up the mountain. And just because, you know, just because this is our path doesn't mean that all the other ones are crap. Well... <laughs> no that's true and I, i've often not thought too that even though there were different ideas of morality over the ages for some reason freemasonry has been able to endeavor and continues to be a, a an area that men especially can focus on and i don't know if it's because it's men only if that's why it's really and it has good good processes and good systems in place so uh, but yeah we're not we're not the only you know you can go to a church or you can go to other religious elements and and or just self-study there's lots of opportunity in lots of ways like you said to develop yourself and to to learn those teachings and it it's interesting he quotes in here that philosophy changes as civilization changes. And so, yeah, I would agree our, our ideas on philosophy and ideas on beliefs and religion and other elements of uh, moral code and things maybe has to some extent changed, although they're, I think the, the fundamentals, the roots of most of those are still with us. Whether you believe in the Ten Commandments or whether you have a just a simple moral compass, I, I would think that most of us would agree that there's some immutable elements that are uh, moral, <laughs> uh, you know, ki killing somebody maybe, for example. Now, there may be, just like there is, uh, we talk about the point within a circle and each of us have our own due bounds. Some are bigger than others. <laughs> the idea of, we would call it murder, I guess you'd call it murder to more to specifically define it, killing isn't murder necessarily and so murdering what i would say is something that's specifically uh, immoral but the act of killing may not be immoral if you're defending yourself so you know lots, lots of i don't mean to make this a show about murder meth death and murder but <laughs> <laughs> it's the idea of the the philosophy changing and the morality potentially changing and adjusting to civil society. I mean, back when this was written in the forties and in the, even before that, when masonry was kind of coming around, having a, having the sheriff shoot the guy dead in the street was part of their philosophy. Part of their morality it was just, that's how it happened. And it wasn't necessarily thought bad of. So I don't know. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's definitely the morals of, you know, I always get that mixed up. What, what are morals and what are ethics and, and mm. I'm sure that's something I should understand better than I do the, the exact definitions of those words. But yeah, the the morals of society have definitely changed over time. 
there are some things so it's there's that whatever it is there's a facebook post out there where it's a um it has all the different translations or not translations but all the different quotations of different religions essentially saying the golden rule you know do mm-hmm. do unto others as as you would have them do to you or as they would have done to themselves or you know don't be a jerk <laughs> whatever the however you want to phrase that philosophical thing and it's it's in so many religions out there that it's you know one could reasonably assert that that was a common moral philosophy that yeah. all of mankind aspires to do you think that this the seven liberal arts and sciences we've kind of naturally gravitated to the morality and all that to religious connections. I and mean, maybe it's because we are both a little more religious, but do you think that there is kind of an automatic connection between civil number and sciences in, in some kind of, what do you want to call it? Faith-based or other, uh, uh, I guess, religious experience. I mean, I don't know what else is out there. If I, if I wasn't a Christian, I don't know how I would describe, you know, <laughs> that experience right if and, and if you look back on it before christianity was a thing uh there was different uh not they wouldn't have called them religions then because we've we've told that time you know coined that word so i don't know belief systems or ideas about celestial beings and powers and concepts and so maybe that's maybe there's kind of all interchangeable i don't know what you think about that if that's Yes, I mean, you can look at the, whatever the relationship between the Egyptian myths and the Greeks and the Romans and and how that all sort of, it, okay, not a student of such things, but from my outside (laughs) observations, it all seems to flow like a, 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 you know, there's like a, I don't know, a river. It flows like a, there's a consistency there that one can say, oh, whatever, Thoth or Jehudi or whatever, whatever we're supposed to, the word is that became, um, Hermes became Mercury, and that again, that consistency ties those religion or belief systems together. And, and I, he, nope. no, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I, I guess I was just going to say that I, I kind of feel like again, as a not a studier of such things, but as a guy who's read a, I've read an article, so it must be, I must be know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that the the archetypes that exist in a lot of those stories are common to a lot of um if not religions then certainly the the mythos that make up you know the backstories of a lot of of groups of people around the world yeah yeah for sure for sure and he even talks about in the beginning of the article that of all the early manuscripts from you know regis being the oldest of them the edwin and all the different manuscripts york and lansdowne and cook and downland that there seems to be a commonality, even though they didn't necessarily know each other, but there's a commonality of the same thinking through the Middle Ages that the clergy originally framed these manuscripts seems probable. So he ties it back to even that there is some, you know, clergy, religious, if you will, uh, connection to the Holy Trinity in the seven liberal arts and sciences, even though these writers, early writers, weren't necessarily talking to each other about it, but they all came up with these ideas at the similar time. There must be some congruency in their thought processes or beliefs or commonality of things. I, we we had done some 
years and years ago, we had a little bit of a study group going on our lodge and we were talking about religion one night and one of our past masters was talking about how he had done some study on many of the major religions of the world. And they're all, like you are saying, they're all kind of basically the same. There's some differentials, differentialities between them, but yeah, do good unto, do, do good unto others and don't kill each other and <laughs> you know, just be nice basically. I think we've, we've wandered away from geometry, but I guess we're still on the several liberal arts and science. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But there is, I mean, I guess I feel like there's, ooh, here, I'll tie it back in. I feel like there is, if we can, it is difficult for me at least, and I'm assuming for others since I've heard this sentiment, to look at the stars or look at, you know, the forest on a beautiful summer day or to look at the the world of creatures and things that are contained within a raindrop under a microscope mm. and not think, holy crap, there's something yeah. going on here. Yeah. And a lot of those things, particularly the motion of, of celestial bodies, can the astronomy that predicts their behavior and that um, geometry that explains the how of it a bit yeah. is based in geometry. There we go. We got back. Yes. <laughs> that that, that, geo that geometrical connection to a lot of the way that things behave from stars in the sky to raindrops yeah. is is based on those um geometry that we talk about yeah for sure the, the one one of the last things that really hit me was that he was talking about he that uh the idea that a guy a man gets up eats goes to work marries has children dies and is a good citizen but they're not thinking they don't they just kind of do the do they don't really but he who spends his few days full of trouble and thinking through some problem philosophy or science or the greater good of the fellow man and the glory of God. And I hadn't ever really connected that sentence in our ritual, a few days and full of trouble. And so I went back and read it again and I thought, is that what they're meaning there? And I guess it might be. And the idea that the full of trouble piece is the thinking man, the enlightened man that you're and I had now, when I hear that, I will think of a whole different aspect of that ritual. And that's this is that was probably of all this. This is my bet. That's my one of my big takeaways is that I would have I would have heard that ritual and never thought about it. But now, when I hear that, I'll think about oh, he means that we're supposed to be doing this. And so, whoever wrote that originally, or whether Webb had his that would be the Bible, yes. Well, yeah, I mean. But what you know was that in the original? I don't know. I don't know the original manuscripts to know. A few days in full of trouble line is from the Book of Job. Yes, but it was that in the original manuscript, or did Webb add that for color and ornamentation when he rewrote the? Uh, that's you know I don't know. A man that is born, man that is born of woman is and uh, is a few days in full of trouble, cut down like a flower, grows forth and whatever. That's that's uh, from the Book of Job in the Bible. Yeah, the King James Version. Right, but I mean, was that used in the original Masonic oh, rituals? Oh, oh. I guess I'm starting to think. Uh, I see. Or, or did because that's kind of what Webb did, right? He didn't. He he didn't. He, the intent wasn't necessarily to change it, but it was to make it more interesting, for mm -hmm. sure, right? And so, or Preston, Preston and Webb. And so, was there? Did was that added because of that? I you know I don't know I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's, that's another. That's another thing I'd like to spend some time reading about <laughs> is the the origins of the ritual and what was changed and that sort of thing. And 
Yeah. Why, when you go to Pennsylvania, is it completely different? Sounds like another show. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I feel like we've since since we brought it back around the geometry, <laughs> I feel like we uh we honestly we got a little more deep than I thought we were going to. I was I was I'm pleasantly surprised at us. So uh, <laughs> I, I I want to thank you especially David for for keeping me on the straight and narrow this week. I your yes your articles and such I appreciate that and your tolerance of my not reading them always <laughs> but you know. With that, um, I hope that everything is going well with Stephen up in up in Kelowna there, and that things are working out for him. And we hope that you will will listen to our next episode, and just as importantly, will comment on this one and, and uh, let us know what you think and what are are some thoughts you have on the seven liberal arts and sciences. And with that, we want to thank you all for listening and to the Lurking Tools podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>